We are going to continue this evening with our uh, our topic on wisdom. Hallelujah. We've been uh, going through the topic of wisdom and, and really uh, digging in around that. And we've uh, got tonight and, and probably a, another week of that. But I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians this evening. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app with you, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we've talked uh, about wisdom, we've talked about knowledge, and we've talked about understanding. And just to refresh a little bit in case um, you've missed, knowledge is the understanding or the facts. You have facts on something, you have uh, the knowledge of something, but understanding is knowing the the ins and outs of that, understanding the concept, how it works, how it, how to apply it. But just because you have knowledge and understanding doesn't always mean you apply it, right? We can know things and know what's right. I mean, we all know that eating Oreos is not good for us, right? We know that, and we might even have some understanding about what it does to our system, but it doesn't mean that we apply the wisdom, right? Or we might, that's a good thing. I have to admit, yesterday, I did not. I ate Oreos yesterday. I know. But they were the mini ones, the mini ones, which is probably you could have 20 of those. I know that's the problem. You probably end up eating more of those than what you would the bigger ones. But, uh, you know, just a, a good example to kind of keep those three things in your mind, the understanding of it when, when you, how many are familiar with baseball? Okay. You know how you, you can steal a base, like from first to second, second to third, you can steal a base, and you're trying to explain that to a child that hasn't maybe been real familiar, they don't have the understanding yet of stealing a base, and, and then they get the concept, oh, I'm, I'm running from one base to another when, I'm, when, I'm not, when the ball hasn't been hit, and so they say, okay, I can do that, but they might get caught because they don't have the understanding of how that works quite yet but they know the fact that it's going from one base to another when the ball has not been hit by the batter. So they might have the fact, but the coach still needs to help them. Like, come on, okay, go ahead, come on, come on, run, run, run. And the coach, they're depending upon the coach to give them the information and the understanding of how it's done. And so you, they get a little bit older, and then maybe they're in, in uh, you know, middle school, and they start applying that concept themselves, and so then they start stealing bases themselves, and they understand when to do it. They understand that the ball has to cross the plate. They understand that, that once that happens, if the catcher miss, misses it, it's a Great, great time to run. And so they begin to apply that themselves. When they can learn the application of it, that is the wisdom. The, the, they've gained the fact, the understanding, and now the wisdom to be able to apply it. So you can have the, the facts of something. You can sit there and repeat something, but not quite understand when to apply it. So there, there are three different things. Sometimes we lump them all in the same bucket and say, oh yeah, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, but they're really not the same things. And we need knowledge to even begin to come into wisdom. We need understanding to be able to apply wisdom. So the, to get to the end result of wisdom, we need the knowledge and the understanding. So tonight I want to I talk to you about obtaining wisdom. How do we obtain wisdom? How do we obtain wisdom? 
Let's go ahead and read First uh, Corinthians chapter 2. And let's pick up at verse 6. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet the, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now, I want to stop there for a second. Because the thing that we've got to understand is wisdom is hidden. Wisdom is hidden. It talks about the hidden wisdom of God. Wisdom is something that we have to search for. We have to, and we'll get into that this evening, how to obtain, how to get wisdom in our lives. But it is hidden. It is a, a treasure. It is something that we have to search for. It's not just something that, you know, I think a lot of times people think, well, wisdom is just, you know, either you have it or you don't. You know, it's, you're either smart or you're not. And that's not wisdom. Because wisdom is something that you can gain in your life. And so I want to give you some key elements tonight on how to gain wisdom into your life. But first and foremost, if you look at that in verse 10, it says, But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except for the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that God, sorry, the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual you know the wisdom of god is different than the wisdom of this world it's it's not even on the same element it's not in the same realm his wisdom as he says his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are are different than our thoughts so that's why we have to uh gain the and renew our mind to the understanding and to the mind of christ he says but we have the mind of christ we have access to that but we have to dig for it we have to search for it because we automatically are thinking the way that we've been brought up the way that our situation our circumstances have surrounded us and we automatically think in the in the mode that we've been surrounded by so there's a lot of renewing that has to happen whenever we come into the kingdom of God when we begin to walk in the things of God some may have been saved very early on and raised in a Christian home some may have not and the and Either way, there are still things that even if you're raised in a Christian home, it doesn't mean that every thought concept is right according to the word of God. There are things that, that still have to be uh, debunked sometimes because we all can, can have things in our life that, well, it was just handed down from generation to generation and you thought that that was right and it sounded wise, but it wasn't necessarily correct according to the word of God. 
And so there's things in our life that we have to recognize and realize that that way is not God's way. And I'm willing to change and I'm willing to uh, renew my mind to the things of God. In fact, Proverbs 25, 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing or to conceal a matter. And it is the glory of kings to search out a matter. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it is the glory of kings, which is us. He calls us a kingdom and a priesthood, a holy nation. He says it's for us to search it out. It's for us. It's the glory of kings. Remember last week when I talked about the things of wisdom bring glory into our life? Not that we're searching for God's glory, but his glory automatically comes upon us when we're walking the things of God out. So his glory, his weightiness, his favor, his, uh, the, the grace that comes along with wisdom automatically comes upon us whenever we walk wisdom out in our life. And so here it is for us to search out. We are to search these things out. So how do we gain wisdom in our life? Well, let's first turn to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 1. How do I obtain wisdom in my life? James 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Sounds pretty elementary, right? But it goes a little deeper. Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Now, When you read that with our carnal mind, we think, what does that have to, you know, if I'm asking for wisdom, but he tells me if I I ask, then I need to ask in faith, because if I don't ask in faith, then I'm not going to receive anything, because I'm like a double-minded man, because faith is believing in the unseen, right? It's the evidence of things unseen. So when we are walking in faith, we're believing in the hope of the things to come, not hoping like, well, I hope it happens, but the hope, the anticipation of it happening. That is faith. When we walk and we truly believe, then we are expecting it to happen, even though we might not see it right now, even though it's not manifesting in front of us right at this moment, we are expecting it because that's what faith is. And so he's saying if we ask, but we've got to ask in faith. Why is he saying that? Why is he connecting this idea of wisdom, but I must ask in faith or otherwise I'm not going to receive? Well, let's think about it. If, if we're asking for wisdom in a situation, because most people say, oh, God, just give me wisdom. You know, and we're not necessarily asking, like, God, 
give me wisdom in this situation with this particular child because I do not know exactly how to deal with this behavior. <laughs> you know, most of the time we're not asking uh, in a specific situation or maybe you have and that is a good thing because we need to be specific in what we're asking for, not just God, give me some, you know, wisdom, just drop down wisdom in general because we wouldn't know, know it if we did receive it, you know? But it, when we pray specifically for something, then we know that we have received what we've asked for. And so if we're pr praying specifically, God, show me how, how to deal with this particular behavior. Show me how to deal with this situation. And then if he speaks to us, typically it's going to mean something's going to have to change, right? We can't just continue to do it the way we've been doing it because that means, well, then we already had it all figured out to begin with. But if he's going to give us a new concept, a new principle from the word of God and from his kingdom, well, that means something's going to have to change. And chances are it's probably going to have to be with us. And so we're going to have to renew our mind to his concept, to his principle. So when he says that, but then when we get the answer, and then all of a sudden we're like, well, I don't know about that, Lord. I don't, I don't know if I want to change that. I don't know that I want to be consistent with him because, you know, the, the, the kid just wears me out all day on the same thing over and over, and that means I'm going to have to be on top of his butt all the time. That means it's going to take work on me, not him. Like, I'm going to have to work at this. This isn't fair, God, because that means I'm going to have to stay disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> Consistency. And so then he starts speaking to you on what it is that you need to do. Or maybe he's saying, this is how you need to, to begin to minister to your child because maybe they're seeing it from this angle and they need ministered to in their heart or their spirit. Well, that takes time too. That takes maybe you sitting down and going, ah, I don't have time to deal with this right now. I got I, I to gotta take the time to deal with my kid. And I got to make sure that I'm, I'm ministering to their heart and ministering to their life and not worrying about this at the moment because this is taking priority. That's just one example. But do you understand, like, whatever it is that he's telling you, if it has to do with finances, God, why is this happening? Why am I never having enough? But then you're, you, you know, you could be spending more. A fool spends more than what he has, right? A, a fool spends everything that he has. That's a biblical verse that didn't come from me. That's the word of God. So take that up with God, okay? I'm not calling you a fool. That's God's word. So if it says that, and then I realize, I'm not saving any money. I'm spending everything I'm making. Well, there's a principle. And so then I got to say, okay, that means I've got to start setting money aside. I've got to start putting money into a savings account. I've got to start taking the little bit that I can and being faithful in that every, every time I get paid to begin to operate in the principle of saving. So if that's what he directs me to do, then that means what? I've got to be faithful in what he's told me to do. So whenever, whenever wisdom kicks in, it's typically not just a boom, problem solved. It means exercising on my part because wisdom's in it for the long haul. Wisdom is not something like, boom, you just got it, problem solved, and, and everything is just great. It will get great, but sometimes... Just like discipline, disciplining a child, it takes time, and it takes consistency, and it takes over and over and over and over. And you got to continue with that. So it means that that wisdom that you're applying is time, 
and time and time again. The extra 25 that you put in savings doesn't mean that all of a sudden the problem is solved, right? It's time and time and time and time and time consistently, week after week after week after year after year after year. So it's consistency. And when we gain wisdom in an area, we gain the peace and the knowledge and the understanding that comes with it, but it's not many times overnight. So we have to have faith that what he is giving us is working and that we are going to do our part in it. Does that make sense? That's why he says, therefore, you must be a doer of the word. It's, he goes right on, same, same book, same chapter. Therefore, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is a man of, it's, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It's like, yes, I'm going to do this, and then if I don't do it, then I forgot what kind of man I'm supposed to be. I see myself, and yes, I'm going to be a saver. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I walk away, and I spend everything I had. Oh, I forgot what kind of man I'm supposed to be. And then it says, he deceives himself. He deceives himself. This is so key because so many times people can receive the knowledge, the understanding of something. Oh, yeah, I know that. I know that. But they're not actually applying it. And they, and they can deceive themselves into thinking, I know that, but not seeing the fruit and the results from it because they're not applying it. And we can all be in a place like that at times where we realize, amen, pastor, amen, pastor. And then we realize, if we really think about it, I'm not actually applying that all the time. Even though I agree with it, even though I know that scripture and I agree with the scripture that goes with it, but am I applying it? See, wisdom is the application. And we can't deceive ourselves into thinking that, oh, yeah, I do that when we, I don't actually do it, but I deceive myself because I know it. Understand the difference? So wisdom is the application. So the first thing is we must ask. We must ask for wisdom. But we must ask in faith, and then we must be willing to walk that thing out. And, and give God the opportunity to speak to you. If you ask him for wisdom, then be on the lookout for the answer. Because the thing is, you, you could read something in the, in the word of God and it be your answer. In fact, the word of God is the biggest place that we learn wisdom. Because if we are reading it every day, that's why I say wisdom takes time. Because it's not just a big one moment kaboom, you know. Well, pastor prayed for me, and I went out in the spirit, and I came up all wise. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. As much as we would all love that to happen, but it doesn't. Because wisdom is like taking our medicine every day. It is taking the medicine of the word of God every day. That's why it says the renewing of our mind. Because we've got to let the water of the word wash over our mind. And we have to meditate on the word and the understanding of the word in order to see the results. So it's the continuous, the steadfastness, like I said this morning. The steadfastness. Another example, uh, Proverbs 29, 11, it says, A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. That's a principle. That's a principle. If we're always venting everything, 
everything we feel, that's actually not a good thing. Because we're, we're letting that be sown into our life. And the more that we vent, the more that our, our feelings just follow right in behind that. Have you ever, like, declared, you know what? I am going to have a good attitude today. I am, today is going to be a great day. And I am going to minister to someone today. Father, I thank you that you have given me life. And the more you speak that, the more that, that the feeling begins to come in behind that. Or let's talk about forgiveness for a second. You, you know that you've got to forgive someone because the Lord forgave you. And he says, if you want to be forgiven, then you've got to forgive. And so if we know that scripture, and then we go, okay, i got to forgive them. I have to forgive this person. And, man, this is hard because my heart is a little hard towards them. And I know that that's not right. Lord, I'm sorry. I choose to forgive them. I choose to release them into your hands. I let them go. I don't want to, to have anything between me and you, Lord. So, Father, I release them to you. I love them. I pray that you bless them. I pray, Father, that you, that you work things for their good. I pray that you heal my heart, Lord, that you heal me, that I don't have any root of bitterness whatsoever in my heart. Thank you, Father, for filling me with love. As you're speaking that out, guess what? If you're doing it time and time again, those feelings are going to come, and next thing you know, you're going to be released from that. Does that mean that, that it's automatic? Sometimes it's a big hurt, and sometimes it takes a little while. Sometimes it's got to be every time that thought comes in, no, I refuse that. I choose to forgive. I choose to walk in forgiveness. I love them, and I thank you, Father, for their life. And as you're walking it out, then the feeling begins to come. And next thing you know, you don't have that resentment. You don't have those bitterness, uh, the bitter feelings towards them any longer. It's a choice. Love is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. So that's why when Proverbs 29.11 says, a fool vents all his feelings because those things will just continue to follow, and it's not a way to fix the problem. It just adds fuel to the fire. So a wise man holds them back. So we ask. First and foremost, we ask. We have to ask for wisdom and ask specifically. Ask for if you, if you realize there's been a situation in your life like, you know, I've been dealing with this for a while. Lord, I'm sorry. I haven't asked you. I haven't asked you if you have an answer to this, which I'm sure you do, and I just haven't seen it yet. So, Lord, I'm coming to you, and I'm asking you. You know, I've took, I've took so-and-so's advice, and that hasn't helped, and I've tried to think of answers myself, and it hasn't helped. So, Father, show me what it is that I need to do. What am I missing? What am I lacking? And then look for the answer and, and give him time to speak to you. Number two, number two. So the first one is ask. The second one, receive counsel and correction. Receive counsel and correction. And I'm going to read out of Proverbs 15. Beans that I I said, ask, make sure you ask the Lord. Do you think that it might be that once in a while he sends someone to give you that answer? And it might be in the form of counsel and correction. <laughs> so 
sometimes, sometimes we just want it to happen in our prayer closet. Lord, you tell me what's wrong because I'll listen to you, but don't, don't, don't let it be through so-and-so or don't let it be through the pastor. Don't let it be through somebody because I don't, I don't want to listen what they have to say. And, and we'll, like, put up this guard even though that we know, like, they're probably right. But we, we, because maybe we have an issue with something or we have a pride problem and we don't want to receive it from them. And here it is, the answer to our problem. Receive counsel and correction. And then I'll also say this. Sometimes we need to ask somebody because God can also speak through people. Don't just, don't just ask God for wisdom. There are people in your life that have already figured some things out. And they already have the answer you're looking for. They've already been down that road. They've already experienced that. They've already lived that. And they had to deal with some things. And what took them three years to figure out can take you a month or take you a week or take you a day if you'll just glean their wisdom. So ask others, ask men and women of God who know the word of God and you see their character, you see the fruit coming out of their life and, and you, you trust them to give you the God answer, not the world answer. Don't, don't go to, you know, your coworker that, that still throwing cuss words around and has like no understanding of God. Don't go ask them. Ask somebody that's godly, obviously. That should be common sense, but got to throw it in there. Proverbs 15, 31. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. There's, there's a lot in this verse because... The next uh, two things after this is also honor and humility, which is why I chose this verse. But it, it says that, that he who disdains instruction despises his own soul. That's pretty big. And the, the Bible also says uh, in Proverbs 1-7 that fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 12-1 Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. That's in the Bible. He who hates correction, there's my stupid word again, I know. Pastor Brad was giving me a hard time last, last week because I, I said if, if you refuse to, to uh, glean from, from the wisdom of, of God's word and, and, from, and you refuse to read, I said, then just stay stupid then. But it's actually scriptural, see? It's scriptural. He who hates correction is stupid. And stupid's a choice. It's not a person. Think about that. It's not a person. It's a choice. Does everybody have the ability to, to, to read in this generation, in this time? Yeah, they have the ability to glean from knowledge. They have the ability to get on YouTube and listen to a sermon on something I might need help with. They have the ability. So it is a choice. How much we grow in wisdom is a choice. And so we, we need to ask people. We need to receive counsel and receive correction. But here's the thing. Don't, 
don't go and ask a man or woman of God what you need to do in that situation, but you've already made up in your mind what you're going to do. Don't waste their time. Because a lot of people just want justification. A lot of people just want justification to, to have someone say, oh, yeah, you're, you're right, even though the whole reason that they're asking is they know in their spirit they're wrong, and they're just looking for someone to say it's okay. And then that pastor or person, if they're, they're being truthful and they speak the truth, no, that's not the right path to take. And then they go do it anyway. Like, why are you asking for counsel? Why are you asking for, for instruction? So if you're truly asking, then you, you have to be willing to receive the answer that comes from God's word or that comes from wise counsel. And, and remember that it can often come through a person because, yes, we can at times receive correction from the Lord. Obviously, it's one of the things the Holy Spirit does. He, he highlights things to us. He corrects us. He guides us. He leads us. But sometimes we can be hard head. And so when we get like that, guess what? Sometimes he brings somebody into our life and says, hey, you need to deal with this. But the thing is, a lot of times someone that is, if, if you have the personality that I'm not going to change, then you may not have someone in your life that speaks that to you if you already or if they know it's not going to do any good because I'm choosing I'm going to do this anyway. And if you have that kind of personality where you're, you're offended every time someone corrects you, you got to be careful. You got to have a moldable disposition, a moldable personality. If you want to obtain wisdom in your life, you've got to be able to receive. Is it hard? Yes. There have been times Pastor Brad and I have received correction from our superiors or people that have... Uh, you know, been in our network of pastors, and they, they give us a, a, a word of, of wisdom around something, and, and we have to, or we have asked questions. How do, how do we get better at this? How do we uh, do this? What do we need to work on? I remember when we were first in ministry in Hana, man, every, every guest speaker that we would have come in, every pastor we'd have come in, we'd sit down with them afterwards. Okay, so what do you notice? What do we need to work on? What are, we, what are the things that, that we need to get better at? Why? Because we wanted to be able to sharpen our skill. We didn't want to remain unwise in things. And if someone had answers, we wanted to glean from that knowledge. So don't ever come to a place where you feel like, well, I just got it all figured out because I've been in this for five years now, so I don't glean knowledge anymore. I don't glean wisdom anymore. Always stay humble. Always be moldable, which is point number three. Humbleness, humbleness. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with humble, or with the humble, is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. But with pride, there's shame. The sad thing about it is, most of the time when people are being prideful, they don't know that they're, they don't know that that other people can see through that many times. 
they don't, they don't, you know, they're like, well, I think this and I think that. And, and they think somebody, you know, is like sitting there going, oh, wow, they're so wise. But it, a true wise person is looking at it going, there's a lot of pride there. <laughs> you know, so the more you humble yourself, the more you can see pride. Because when you cast that thing down in your life, when, when you choose that that thing, that ugly thing is not going to reign in your life, and you choose to kick that thing out, you notice it more in other people. So pride is an ugly thing. Because here's the thing. You, we can have so much available to us, but pride says, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. I'm not going to let that person correct me. I'm not going to receive that. Because they have this issue or this fault. So what? They, the answer they're giving you still might be right. And it's all about you perfecting yourself in Christ, whether they fix that one problem of theirs or not. Do you want to not grow because this person's not growing in their own areas? Don't hold yourself back. Be humble. Be humble. And, you know, when we read about wisdom in James and it talked about how, how the earthly wisdom or even demonic wisdom, it can be, or even natural wisdom, it can be uh, self-seeking. It can be boastful. It's very much I. Well, I think, well, my opinion, well, I this, well, I that, well, nobody's going to tell me. It's, a, it's very much guarding I. And it's very much promoting I. And it will cause strife many times. It will cause division many times. But a godly wisdom will receive. Here's the thing. There are things that people have spoken into our life before where we knew that part of it was like, yeah, that's it. But this part here, I knew wasn't hitting the nail on the head. But the thing is, you take what you can glean you understand what I'm saying? Like, just because everything isn't uh, exactly right or exactly like, yeah, that's it. But you can take the pieces that you know are correct and operate in them. And don't, it's like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Don't throw it all out just because, you know, this was in there. Take and glean what you can glean out of it in your life. You know, it's interesting when Moses... Uh, when he was leading the people through through the wilderness, right, and and he would go and he would meet with the Lord and he, and he would hear the law and he would hear what uh, the Lord had to say to him and he would hear how the people were to live and he would come back and communicate it to the people. But the people had the opportunity to come to the mountain. Do you remember that in in uh, in Exodus, and they had the opportunity to come to the mountain. But they said, no, Moses, you go. You go and talk to the Lord. You go talk to God, and then you come back and tell us. Now, what was the difference between the people and Moses? Yeah, they were afraid, but here's the thing. Moses, who said that he was the humblest man that ever lived, but he came out of that place, loving the people with his whole heart. He said, if, if, if we're going to die out here, just let me die with them. Because don't start a, a whole new people with, with me. Because, I, God, what, what are they going to say whenever you, when you kill all of them? And the people will talk because you brought them out of bondage. You brought them out of Egypt for them to die out here in the wilderness? No. 
We've, we've got to make sure that, that we're continuing on the mission. He loved them enough. He was humble. He was gracious. He had love for them. And then what did they end up wanting to do? Stone Moses. Moses, why did you bring us out here? Why are you making us live out here in the wilderness? Why? We had it better in Egypt when we were in bondage as slaves. Moses, let's just get rid of him. Let's stone him. Moses was actually showing leadership, um, great leadership ability because he was, he was kind and he was gracious, even though, yes, he corrected them. But the thing is, he was humble and he received the laws of God and allowed that to lead him through the wilderness. He had the right answers. The people didn't want to receive. Why? Because they were not in the presence of God. They were only receiving it by what Moses said. But they were not getting the revelation themselves. They were not in the presence of God themselves. So to them, it was just words. And then they would get frustrated with Moses because they had no relationship with the Lord. And Moses had a relationship. So he knew how to lead them into the promises. And if you remember last week when I said, yes, power is important. Power broke them out of the bondage. Power brought them out of slavery. Power was the thing that tied Pharaoh's hands. And he couldn't move. It, bought, it put him in bondage where everything, the, the water turning to blood and then the, the frogs and the, the gnats and the, everything that went wrong in Egypt. But the children of God still prospered. It was a very defined moment of who was God's children and who was not. And they brought them out. The power brought them out. But the wisdom had to take them into the promises. It was the wisdom of God that had to take them into the promises. And it's no different for us today. The power of God is to set us free. But the wisdom of God is what takes us into safety. It's what takes us into peace. It's what takes us into the promises. When we receive the word of God as truth in our life and we let it change our mind, we let it renew us and we meditate on it, we get the understanding, we get the knowledge, and then we walk it out in wisdom then we are walking the wisdom of God out. That's why Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all of them, when they stood against the king, they were standing in wisdom. They didn't see the power yet because what they were doing was standing for a principle. They were standing, I'm not bowing down to this idol. I refuse. Why? Because the word of God says not to. I'm standing on a principle. I'm not eating that food. Why? Because it's been offered to God's. Why? Because the law of God says so. I will not go against the law of God. So they're saying, if I die, I die. That was their resolve. If I die, I die. But the word of God says not to. As they chose to do that, it was the wisdom of God, the applying the principle that brought them into safety, and it, it completely surrounded them in the power of God. That's what kept them safe. It wasn't like, well, God, when we see your power, when we see, when you, when we see you come down and surround us as a shield, then we'll start to stand up for you. It wasn't like that. They said, I choose. 
whether I live, Esther, I choose today. And if I die, I die. If I perish, I perish. But I'm doing this and I'm standing for what is right. And when I do that, then the Lord surrounds me as a shield. And it's my place of safety. It's my place of refuge. He is my strong tower. And I will see his hand in my life. That's why we have to apply the wisdom of God. Too many people are on a hype in power, but they don't want to apply the wisdom. We have to have both. We have to have the power of God, but we also have to apply the wisdom of God, the principles of God, the word of God. That's why this is so important in our life. We cannot go without eating the word, without digesting the word, meditating upon the word, because it is our strength. For when that time comes, guess what? That's what's going to come out only if we've been putting it in us. What happens to something whenever the stress, the stress of a situation or the crunch of a situation and, and you're squeezed? Whatever you've been putting in is what's going to come out. And if there's not been a whole lot of time of this, you can't expect this to be coming out. It's just like the oil, the olives that get crushed, the grapes that get crushed. What comes out will only be what has been put in. So we've got, that's why I say reading the word is like daily medicine. And, you know, sometimes I think people read it and they go, but I didn't get any mighty revelation today. And they get frustrated because they didn't get like the big aha moment in their, in their time of meditation. But here's the thing. When we read the word of God, you are storing it up. You're storing it up in you. You're keeping it fresh. You're keeping it alive on the inside of you. So it's not always about every day having an aha moment. It's about keeping it fresh on the inside of you, that you're not letting it grow cold, that you're not letting it die on the inside, that you're keeping it fresh. Yes, you want to have those moments of, oh, thank you, God, for that revelation. And you dig and you, and you slow down and you read the words. And Well, what does that mean to me? Yes, you meditate on it. But you also realize, like, it's the daily digestion is what gives me strength. Praise the Lord. What is the fourth one? The fourth one is honor. Honor. And I'm going to read out of Proverbs 2. We must honor wisdom. Proverbs 2. One through five. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You know, the, the Bible says that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that is because if we, and, and when I say fear of the Lord, I'm not, I'm not meaning like I'm afraid and I go and I run behind, uh, you know, like Adam and Eve. Well, we ran and we hid because we were afraid. It's not that kind of a fear. It's a fear as in I, I am so in love with him and I'm so in awe 
of him that I do not want to displease him. And I don't want to come out uh, of his shadow. Because if I come out of his presence and if I come out of his, his covering, then I'm exposed to the elements of this world and I'm exposed to the enemy. Because if I walk out of his principles, then I'm no longer under his covering. And it's I desire to please him. I desire to, to, for him to be pleased with my life. And I don't want to do anything that's harming our relationship. So that is the fear of the Lord. So when you, when you put it in that perspective, it's about honoring his word and who he is. And so that is the beginning of wisdom. You can only get to wisdom if you honor wisdom. Honoring means, like I already said, you're searching for it. You desire it. It becomes more important to you than silver or gold because those things, all the riches, all the wealth, all the, the, the long life, everything we need is found in wisdom. So if we will search for the right thing and not go after the things of this world, we will find when, when Solomon was blessed with wisdom, all of those other things were added unto him. Because you asked for wisdom, Solomon, then all of these other things, long life and, and the wealth and all of the other things are going to be given to you. So wisdom is the principal thing. It is the main thing. And in fact, with all of our getting, we are to get understanding and we're to get wisdom. That's why the Bible says in, in another version, it says, if it costs you all you have, get wisdom. Think about that. If it costs you all you have. And even Jesus would refer to the kingdom of God as a pearl being sought out. Or a treasure in a, in a field that a man found and he finds this treasure and, he, and then he buries it back. And then he goes and he sells everything he has to, to get the money to come and buy this field. Because there's a treasure here. And he says the kingdom of God is like that. The principles, the, the word of God is like that. That we must sell everything we have to gain the principles and the understanding of the word of God in our life. Because it's that important. Because with that, everything else, if we seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things that we're running around trying to find, running around trying to gain in this life, which is what the whole world does. So when we do that, we don't look any different than the world. But if we will search for wisdom, and if we will treasure wisdom, then we will honor wisdom. Sometimes well, I'm not going to say sometimes. I'm going to say the majority of the time, if not all the time. Honoring something will cost you. Honoring something will cost you. Because honor usually means a sacrifice on our part. Every year we personally bless Dr. Morocco, our head pastor, with the first fruits of our income every year because it's a biblical principle. And in the Bible, they took the first fruits to the priest. It wasn't something that went to the temple, it went directly to the priest. And a few years ago, I studied that out and I said, you know, we need to do this. And so we began to do that every single year at the beginning of the year, the first, our first fruits, our first pay, we, we honor our, our head pastor, the man of God, personally. 
it's something that we have chosen to do as a principle from the word of God because we want the blessing to be on our life and we want to make sure we're doing everything that, that we can to attract the blessing. See, honor, when you honor something, it will attract itself to you. What you honor in life, it will be attracted to you. It's like a magnet. It's like the law of magnetism. What you honor, you will attract. So when you honor something, it will cost you. It does cost us, but we choose to out of honor. There is a sacrifice there, but we choose to do it. We honor the Lord with our tithe and our offering. Every time that we get paid, we honor the Lord first. Why? Because we owe him. We owe him everything. He requires 10%, and he requires the offering, which is up to us. But we owe him our whole lives. We honor him with our tithe and our offering. When we honor wisdom, what does that look like? Well, first of all, like I said, when it comes your way, when someone does speak into your life, don't reject it. Even if you don't necessarily agree with all of it, be gracious. Okay, I'll receive, I'll receive this. This I know is something that I need. But be gracious about it. Be humble about it. Receive correction. Uh, let the word of God change you and mold you. Allow, allow your life to be a magnet for wisdom which means you're going to have to make room for wisdom. You're going to have to honor wisdom. The Bible talks about wisdom as it, and refers to wisdom as a she, as a, as a she, as a person. And so wisdom is, is something that will bring wonderful things into our life if we let it. It may cost you time. Wisdom may cost time. If, we, if we're going to spend time in the word of God, is that going to cost time? Yeah, it does. It costs our daily discipline of time to read the word. It costs time sometimes to, you know, we, would, we oftentimes would, would go to conferences. Why? Because it betters us. We would, whether it's conferences on, on you know, becoming better in, in the realm of ministry and pastoring, you know, we go to, uh, Dr. Morocco requires his, his pastors to come back three times a year. Why? Because that time spent is for a purpose. It's to gain the wisdom. Every time we go, we become more and more of a fruit that looks like Dr. Morocco, which is a good thing because he is such a humble man of God and he has learned so much in ministry. And you just, the more you're around it, the more you go, I want to be like Dr. Morocco when I grow up. Because he's so, he's so gracious. You could sit there and, and say all kinds of stupid things in front of him and he'd say, well, praise the Lord. And he's just so, so compassionate, you know, and so gracious. But the, the more that you're around and you honor something, the more you become like that. And so honor what you want to become. It could cost you your pride. <laughs> That's a big one. You may have to lay pride down in order to honor wisdom. You may have to lay your self-defenses down in, in order to honor wisdom. Because if I'm going to receive this into my life, then I can't have a wall of I already know or no, I'm not going to receive that. Or, you know, because there are a lot of times people, yeah, I already know that. I already know. I already know. Oh, okay. Sorry. Go about your business then. 
But when you do that, realize like that person's probably going to quit speaking into your life because if you if you have the attitude like you don't have any good information for me, then they're not going to keep giving you the good information. It may cause sacrifice on your on your part. It, you may have to block out time. You may have to uh, buy books. One of the things that I quit doing a long time ago, I very rarely loan my, my books out to anybody because that's like one of my prized possessions is my books. <laughs> I've, I've gained, you know, that's where I have gained a lot of understanding through the years and it ministers to me. That's how I grow is, is I read a lot. And I have found over time that many times when I loan things out, I, I didn't get them back. And then you forget who you gave it to. And then you can't remember who to chase down. And then they, they quit coming to church. And then you never see them again. And then you're <laughs> like, where did that book go? <laughs> you know. And then you're like, I don't remember who I left it with. And many times I didn't read it anyway. And the thing is, I thought, you know what? If they can't, if they can't like cough up $10 for their own intelligence, you see what I'm saying? Well, that book was $15. So what? So what? You are worth it. Your wisdom is worth it. In all of your getting, if it costs you everything you have, get wisdom. Why? Because wisdom solves your problems. Somebody handing you an answer, and what I mean by that is somebody handing you here, this is going to solve your, your immediate issue, but you still don't have the wisdom to know how to get out of the issue. It's not solving anything. It's solving your immediate problem, but not your future problem. Most people's financial issues are issues with management. Not because they need money, because they aren't managing what they have correctly. Most people's time is a mismanagement of time. How many people in here made time for, for Christmas? Did, it, did people skip Christmas this year? <laughs> you guys all skipped Christmas this year? We didn't. We had Christmas. You made time for Christmas, right? We choose to make a priority what is a priority. We choose to set things aside and say, you know what? This is important to me. I'm going to make sure this happens. So what we prioritize, we'll make sure that we do. When exercise becomes a priority, we make time for it. If it's not a priority, then we don't make time for it, right? If, if uh, making a family day is a priority, we'll make time for it. If it's not, then we don't make time for it. We make time for the things that we choose to make time for. So whatever in our life, if we want to attract wisdom, then that means we've got to choose to honor it, choose to sacrifice for it, choose to, whether it, it, it's pay or, or uh, prioritize our time, or if I need to spend time in the evening or in the morning to get in the word, then I, I got to choose to do that because in the long term, these are the things that are going to bring me wisdom in my life. Hallelujah. One last thing before we, we end. You know, whenever um, Jesus, I'll just paraphrase it, uh, when Jesus was giving the parable of the, the two men 
that built their house upon the sand and upon the rock. And he says, a wise man is like the man that builds his house upon the rock. And of course, he was referring to the rock being Jesus Christ, because Jesus is referred to as a rock many times throughout the word. And of course, Jesus is the word. And so he says, if you build your house upon the rock, upon the word of God, it doesn't matter what storm comes, even though, yes, there's going to be a storm and both houses are going to go through the storm. And this person over here, he builds it on shifting sand. What is shifting sand? The world's theology, the way the world handles things, their wisdom, worldly wisdom. And so he says, if you build it on shifting sand, then when that storm comes, you've got two houses, one that's on a rock and one that's on the shifting sand. Same storm. In fact, the houses can look exactly the same exactly the same you can't tell the difference in the two houses but it's in the foundation it's in what it's built upon that's what matters and the thing is most of the time you don't see the foundation you don't typically go up and drive up to to somebody's house i love the foundation of this home i love how how you guys did your foundation work because it's, it's not seen. It's under the ground many times. You don't always see the foundation. You don't always see how they dug and how they poured cement and how they, they made sure that we got to make sure that it's level and we got to make sure that it's strong, that, that nothing here is going to crack. We got to put time and energy into the foundation because everything sets on the foundation. And that's what we have to be like. We have to, we have to make sure our foundation is strong. And that is the word of God and the principles of God in our life. Amen? So gaining wisdom is your foundation. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? Minister Lee, how you want to come to the keyboard? Hallelujah. Wisdom is a precious thing. It truly is. And even as, I want to challenge you as, as you are um, going through even the next few months. Again, if you haven't read Proverbs, read Proverbs. There's so much, so much wisdom in there. And just one verse, sometimes it's just one verse and you're like, oh, that's good. Because it's not written in, in full story form like you have to read four chapters to get the whole story. Sometimes you just read one verse and it's one principle in that verse that you can apply and you can meditate on. And it's so good. And you, you have these little nuggets that you can apply in your life. But even over the next few months, like the things in your life, take the time to ask God. Take the time to say, God, send, send me the scripture, the right person in my life that has the answer. I pray that many times. Lord, I don't quite understand uh, this scripture. I don't understand what's going on here. What do I need to fix in my life? Because obviously I'm missing something if this isn't breaking loose. Give me the wisdom. Give me the understanding in this area. Send someone in my life that has that answer. And you know, sometimes it's not always face-to-face. -face. Sometimes I might hear a sermon, and I'm like, that was it. That was it right there. And, and, I, and I got it off of my phone on YouTube. 
you know, because there's certain people that I listen to to feed myself. And so I'll hear, I'll hear something, and it was exactly what I prayed for. But it's because if you don't ask, then you don't receive. You have not because you ask not. That's also in James. James had a, a lot going on there with wisdom. You have not because you ask not. And then when you ask, many times you're asking for your own personal pleasures and your, your, your motive isn't right. I'm not telling you that. That's what James said. <laughs> so we have to evaluate our heart. Why am, I, why am I asking for this? Is it just for me? Is it for my own? I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have good things. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes people are, are allowing something into their life or they're wanting something for the glory of it. For the to make themselves look good, or you know, there sometimes people are even going against the very principle of God, and it's something God does not want in their life because He knows the end result. He knows that thing will destroy them. He knows that will bring uh, take them right off the path of Christ. And so, for your goodness, He's withholding it. So we have to evaluate our hearts sometimes and say, hey. Am I truly listening to the voice of the Lord? Because the voice of the Lord will speak wisdom into our life. It's just we've got to be willing to say, okay, I'm, I'm ready to, to let this go. Lord, if this is not what you want me to have, I am willing to let it go for the purpose of your kingdom and me staying in touch with you. That's wisdom. Why? Because if you remember, it's not self-seeking. It's not about boasting on self. It's not about uh, strife and dissension and, and causing uh, issues. It's me laying my, my selfish needs aside and saying, God, it's, it's the, for you. I want everything about you. And if this is what's best, then I choose to lay this aside. So it, it really truly does mean humbleness and honesty and honesty with yourself and that's not always easy in this day and time because man it's such a failing generation because everything we see and everything we hear is all about just do what feels good you don't have to have any self-control you don't have to you don't have to apply anything in your life if you don't want to just go with your feelings if you don't feel like it then just you know whatever it's everybody else's loss who cares who cares about anybody else and it's a very selfish generation, so we have to fight against that because we are the children of God, and we are people of integrity. We are people of character. We are people of God's nature. And that means we got to be honest, honest with ourselves, that we're not going to deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not asking for that for selfish reasons. It's all, it's all for God's glory. When in actuality, if we dig a little deeper, that may not be true. So over the next few months, dig into the concept of wisdom. And truly, you will truly, truly be so thankful. Because it will reap the benefit of peace in your life, of security, of a stronger faith than what you even ever thought imaginable. It will reap power into your life, and it will reap a, a home that's peaceful. Not just peaceful on the outside, but peaceful on the inside. An inner peace. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you so much for your wisdom. Lord, that you even share your wisdom with us. 
that you have given us the mind of Christ, that we have access to that, that you have allowed us to be in your presence, that you search us, that you sift through our hearts and our innermost being. Lord, that you tell us in your word that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, but you search our innermost being. And Father, I ask that even, even this year that we will grow tremendously. That as your word says, that, that your Holy Spirit speaks to us. Your spirit is what gets connected with our spirit and shows us the realms of God, shows us the revelations of God. So I pray, Father, that wisdom will be sought after this year, that our hearts will be tender towards you, Lord, that we will desire insight and wisdom in our life and in our, in our situations, that we won't bypass things because of our own desires, but we will desire what you desire. And I pray, Father, that you surround us with people of wisdom. Lord, that as we honor wisdom, that you surround us, Father, that with people that will speak truth into our life, that it's for our good. We don't have any desire to shove wisdom aside. But, Father, we have the desire to, to uh, invite wisdom, to invite the spirit of wisdom and insight and revelation into our lives and our situations. So we pray today that you speak to us, Father. I thank you, Father, for all your goodness. In Jesus' name.